Welcome to the Sheila Kham Extractive Podcast. Today is a great pleasure for me to welcome my friend um, Abdullah Magazuba, otherwise uh, affectionately referred to as Magas. Magas is a former Miss of Mines in Guinea Conakry. Uh, previous to that, he worked in the Office of the Presidency under the uh, Large Special Infrastructure Project team. And before that, he was uh, a consultant uh, with KPMG and is now back in private life uh, doing consulting work. He has been involved in negotiations with different investors from different parts of the world. And I'm hoping to speak with him about his experience uh, in this area. Magas, welcome. It's lovely to speak to you today. Well, hello, Sheila. It's a pleasure for me to be here. And I'm um, looking forward to a very fruitful discussion. That's lovely. I mean, as a, a former uh, senior civil servant and former uh, minister, I guess uh, national policies and laws, uh, from your perspective, play an important role in framing negotiations between governments and private investors. Can you just give us a sense of why you think having the right policies and laws in the first place are important uh, as part of a negotiation process? In a negotiation process, it's, um, it's uh, very important for each of the parties to have uh, boundaries uh, in uh, between which it's uh, a, it's uh, possible to find uh, a common ground to find uh, a mutually beneficial agreement. So for each of the parties, especially for a country like Guinea, it was uh, it's always been important for us to have the right policies and the right laws in place that will lay the ground for. A, a more a more effective negotiations and uh, uh, we had uh, in uh, 2013 we had uh, a new mining law and uh, that mining law was adopted when we had already in mind to have uh, to a review a, a review process of uh, mining contracts and uh, we made sure that that mining law was in place, that the whole framework of the negotiations were in place before we actually start negotiating with the company. So it's very important to set the framework, the boundaries before starting negotiations. And mining policies and laws are very important in that uh, respect. So you, you make a, an emphasis on the right policies. What are the characteristics in your view of uh, the right uh, mining policies, especially as relates to uh, development of mineral resources, but also uh, as respects to the boundaries for negotiation? It's... Um very important to very clearly set uh, the state's goals in terms of uh, the development of mining uh, of a mining project 
in laws, in mining policies. The second thing that is uh, critical is also to give confidence to investors that the framework in, uh, uh, that is uh, defined by the policies and the laws will allow them to invest in a transparent way and that their investment will be protected over time. So I, I, I would say that these are the two main characteristics that are critical in having in place before you negotiate, you open uh, negotiation, negotiation processes with uh, mining companies. First, the states need to have a clear view of what it's, it wants. The second, the state need to make clear, make sure that the environment that is clear, created by the policies, by the laws, will allow for the return of the, uh, 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 on investment for mining companies. So it's both parts, these two parts that go together just, just to make sure that uh, the national interests are uh, followed, but in, the, in, a, in, a, in a sense where people can make profits and uh, get their return on investment. Hmm. So uh, let, let's, uh, I mean, it, it seems self-evident why the state must have a goal. Uh, but uh, just so we, we don't make any assumptions, I mean, what are the consequences, for instance, of uh, a state lacking clarity over its goals uh, in a negotiation process. Why is that a problem in your uh, opinion? You know, it's, um, we shouldn't forget that the policies, I mean, uh, the, the mining policies are implemented by people that might different views on uh, any issue that can arise in, in, a, in, a, in a negotiation process. So it is important to have a level playing field for investors. So to have that fairness, it's important for that anybody who is part of the negotiation should have guidelines to say, okay, this is, these are the clear goals of the state so you cannot ask for more or for less. So you cannot change the goals from one investor to another one. So that, with that framework in place, then you have a level playing field for investors and it gives more confidence and uh, create, uh, reduces uncertainty around negotiations and also around the implementation of projects because if the, that the framework is not set, even beyond the negotiation of the contracts themselves, people can still come up with uh, new goals, uh, depending on the, on the company in front of them to ask for things for, you know, on behalf of the state that are not 
asked to other companies. So it's uh, the main thing to have in mind is that having clear goals, uh, clear boundaries uh, helps to create a level playing field for investors, which is good for investment, of course. Hmm. That's interesting. So it's not just about the state uh, giving uh, its team a clear mandate, but it is also that uh, by having policies that are applied across the board, uh, the negotiation process takes place in a stable environment. And, and that with that stability comes also confidence uh, on the part of investors. So let me ask then, uh, Magas, why is it important that uh, investors have confidence in a country's policies and laws in the context of uh, mineral negotiations? Why is confidence such an important factor? You know, mining projects are built over many, many years. Let's say on average, what we see is uh, maybe between seven or 10 plus years. And the operations are run over 15 to 20 to 30, maybe 50 years. So confidence is even, I would say to some extent, more important than, than written contracts because we've seen in places where people sign contracts, but they try to violate them. They try to not meet the requirements of contracts. But no matter how, what is the, how is the quality, the good quality of the contracts, confidence is the basis for any relationship, as you know. But it's even more important for a partnership that is meant to last over decades. So that's what make, makes that confidence key, not only for negotiations, but also for the whole life of mining projects. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. So what you're saying is negotiations is a process, uh, but this process contributes to the future uh, health or lack of health of the relationship between the investor and the host country. And that the manner in which the negotiations are conducted, the policy environment in which the negotiations are conducted contributes to how stable the relationship is over the long term. And so really it, it is an important first step from your point of view uh, am I correct in building a healthy future relationship? It, 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 do I understand you correctly? Definitely, definitely. And it helps, it helps have a balanced partnership, have, a, have balanced deals. And uh, if you don't have balanced deals, they won't last for long. And having a clear framework that account for uh, the country's interests, the company's interests, will allow for uh, reaching a balanced uh, contract that is 
more likely to last beyond regimes, ministers, and everything. Wow. So most people, when uh, we speak in, in public discourse about negotiations between uh, especially African governments and multinational corporations, the assumption is that the process is one that is very antagonistic. And that on the one hand, the multinationals uh, take a, a winner takes all approach and the government on the other side. But what you're saying is, uh, if I read you correctly, is that that actually is not desirable. The, the parties must not walk into that room with a view to uh, doing better than the other, but instead they must strive to strike a balance. How often in your experience uh, is that the real thing that happens rather than a mere ideal? Look, um, having uh, tensions around negotiations, I would say is uh, normal because you have uh, again you have human beings with their feelings with uh, uh, working maybe 20 hours a day they get tired they have their own issues so it also uh, that let's say human part is uh, part of the negotiation so having tensions is I would say normal but what is not normal is to see the two parties as uh, uh, enemies. It needs to be seen as two parties with maybe different interests to some extent, but with a common goal, having the project running. Because if there's no project running, there's no benefit for any of the parties. And based on my experience, we've all, always made sure that uh, uh, the, the negotiations are uh, as peaceful as possible. I wouldn't say friendly, but as peaceful as possible. And we make sure that uh, we make sure that uh, the there is some basis for negotiations. As I said, you have the policies, you have the laws, the, but the mining company comes with a project. You have three different uh, 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 contexts. I would say you need to account for. You have the context of the project itself, the economics of the project. So the basis for that is, of course, the usual, um, uh, how do you say, the financial models. You have the context of the country that's mainly driven by policies and laws. And of course, of course, the institutional strength. Third, you have international context. So you need to make sure that in a negotiation, any information that is the basis for a position taken by one party is shared and discussed. So that at the end of the day, we'll uh, leave the, the, the feeling area, the subjective area, and go to the facts. 
that are related to the project, that are related to the country, that are related to the global market, and that have an impact on both the, the provision of provisions of the contract, but also the life of the project in the future. So it's not necessary to have, I would say, friendly negotiations, but it's very important to have a cold, I would say, and uh, peaceful negotiations so that mm. you only base your discussions on uh, uh, things that are as close as possible to facts so that you end up with something that will not be, um, I mean, and nobody, if, if no, 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 none of the parties is completely happy with the contract, then you have a good contract. <laughs> In other words, the test of success is that uh, the government is happy with certain things, but not everything. Yeah. And that the, the, the investor is also happy. And that if you have one party that's happy with everything, that's an indication perhaps that uh, somebody has been disenfranchised. I, I like that you make a distinction between friendship and uh, negotiations that are conducted in a peaceful, cordial, fact-based environment. Uh, yeah. Because uh, I think this matters a lot uh, that people leave their personal feelings outside the room. Because as you said, we all have issues, uh, personal, political, or otherwise. Mm -hmm. And that if we bring those into the room, we distort the environment. And, and then that might undermine uh, the outcomes. The, the notion of uh, the context of economics, country politics, and international uh, market context is also an important one because uh, on face value, as a former minister, most people would think you would only concern yourself with uh, the, the country context and, and, and perhaps the economics of the deposit. But can you just briefly explain why you think these three component parts are important reference points? And because we, we started by saying policies are, are create boundaries. But now we've moved on, you said now the context of negotiations. Why specifically the economics, national uh, uh, context, and international context? What is the contribution of these to the robustness of the negotiation environment? Look, um, the, the, a project is built around hypothesis. And if you get your hypothesis is right, then you can have a project that will last for the time that is plan it's planned for. But if you don't get, it, get them right, then you are just negotiating a paper. The project might not even never happen. So one of the one part of the hypothesis is the, the, the economics of the project. What, let's say that uh, you, uh, are, you have two projects, one project, uh, two, two gold projects. One project is um, uh, the deposit uh, on, is on average two gram per ton, let's say. Two, and then 
The second one is uh, four, four grams per ton. So these two projects, if they are located in the same area, they will have different economics. In, if you compare them on that basis. That's one thing. The second thing, let's say this, the same two projects where the, the quality of the gold, I would say is double in one project as compared to the other one. Let's say one of them is in, in a very difficult geo, geo, geographic area. The, 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 the rich one is in a very uh, difficult geographic area. The other one is in a very good, nice and smooth uh, in area where it's easy to construct and things like that. Logistics are very easy there. So then you need to go to the nitty gritty details to account for not only the grade of the, of the deposit, but also for where the logistics, the logistics, the complexity of the logistics that might uh, that the, the project will face in the construction phase and also in the production phase. I can I can list many other uh, 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 items like that that will 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 need to account uh, for, for for in the in, the, in, the, in looking at the, the economics of the project and of course. What is the, the, the how much are they gonna, how much interest are they gonna pay? Maybe it's different from one project to another one. Many other issues like that. Now coming to the national context. If you are in, uh, uh, I would give a very precise example. In 2000, the way you, you, you would negotiate in Guinea, a bauxite, you would have negotiated in Guinea, a bauxite project in 2015, it's not the way you are going to negotiate the same bauxite project in 2021. For a simple reason, back in 2015, we were only, exporting maybe something around 17 million tons, 18 million tons. And in 2020, we've been exporting uh, more than 80, 80 million tons. So our appetite, the appetite of country, the country has moved from producing bauxite to processing locally bauxite. So that is the national economic context. You can also talk about the national, um, I would say social context. Uh, maybe the wages are uh, 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 higher now than they were in, uh, I mean, 10 years ago. You can also talk about, of course, the, uh, 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 you can talk about uh, the institutions where uh, in, in 2010, where the institutions in charge of running, monitoring mining projects as strong as they are for today? No, I don't think so. So that risk of uh, the licenses, the, the permitting process 
the time the permitting process, if you used to take uh, maybe one month, let's say 10 years ago, if it's uh, three months, 10 years ago, if it's taking only two weeks today, then the pro it, 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 it provides a, 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 an environment, a national context that reduces the uncertainty, the risks on the project and makes it uh, 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 more uh, viable, I would say. Hmm. So the, the international context, the one thing to, to finish with these three contexts, the one thing I can mention is the, of course, the, the, uh, uh, the price of, uh, of gold on the market, the price of the, the iron ore on the market, if, uh, the price of bauxite on the market. These are things we can influence them to some extent based on uh, what is the weight of the country on the market. But the, the, the market is not under the, uh, the country's control. So somehow the project we negotiate when the, the gold was at uh, maybe uh, 1,000 an ounce, you is not uh, uh, you will not negotiate the same project the same way when the us with because of COVID is now at uh, maybe uh, seventeen hundred. Hmm. So yeah, this is very interesting. So the, so really, the economics are largely around the deposit. Uh, it's uh, geotechnical features, how easy it is to access it, what the grade is and how easy it is uh, to move it to the market, wherever it's going. And, and that, you know, being cited of this is, is critical uh, because to your point, you can't ask for that which is not economically feasible. But the country context is interesting in that if I read you, what you're saying is uh, the economic, socio-political conditions of a country are not constant. And that when you go into negotiations, you have to look at where the country is, what its ex expectations are, and what's the extent of uh, the public expectation of what is right at that moment. And that the negotiators have to bring that, to, to be fair, um, I have seen this here in my own country, Botswana. What Botswana asked for in 1969 from DBS was fundamentally different from what Botswana asked for uh, when in, in 2006 we were negotiating. In 69, I was a schoolgirl, completely clueless, unaware uh, that the negotiations, but even when I look at that, I can see the country has moved on and what the country wants. My guess is that uh, those who precede me don't want what we thought was a good deal in 2006. So I think the point you're making that countries move on and this has to be taken on board is very important. The other thing that I, I thought is very important is the notion that in this tripartite, this context of three issues, there are some things that the government has control on and some things uh, that the government is, is not uh, in control of and that knowing the difference matters. So in, in your opinion, what are some of uh, 
the more important things that government has control over. We know governments have no control on the markets. Government has no control on whether there's COVID or not. But what are the things that governments have control on which uh, can be used to beef up uh, the leverage of governments in negotiating with foreign investors? One is the, 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 what we've been talking about from the beginning, the policies and the laws. You need to have the right laws, the right policies, the right laws in place. First thing, and go, the government has a control of that. The second thing is uh, institutional capacity. Who is intervening on, 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 the, on the development process of mining projects? What are they doing? What power do they have? What guarantees do they provide to the, uh, to the investors in terms of quality and uh, timely delivery of, uh, let's say, the permits and uh, everything they have to deal with? How efficient is the administration in charge? These are things the government have, I would say, full control on. So, if you set all these things right, then I think it provides uh, to the investor that to, you have you are you are you are playing with good faith in good faith. I mean, to progress the project, and even if it's not perfect, it's never perfect. They know that you are uh, you are. In the in the uh, on the right path on the right track, and they are, they know that it's likely that while they are negotiating with you, if the licenses take uh, 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 two months at that moment, that maybe over the years they will end up uh, having uh, uh, taking only one month, and that hope that uh, uh, I would say those. Uh, uh, good prospects give something in addition to the confidence, initial confidence the mining company can have in, uh, in uh, investing in the country. But of course, there are things the government cannot control. COVID had a, an impact on the mining industry, negative impact. On some commodities, especially if, um, the, 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 the consumption rates and the, 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 the freight, freight, freight rates and things like that, but positive impacts on some other uh, sectors like gold, because the price of gold uh, has increased uh, significantly over the last couple of years. So these are things. COVID, I mean, Guinea has no control on what happened COVID in, uh, in, uh, in, uh, in all around the world. We can maybe control to some extent what happens here, but no, not, not elsewhere. But that's one uh, example we, 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 can, we can mention. And uh, all the other international markets that are linked to mining, um, and, the, let's say downstream, for example, we, we don't have uh, a control on that. How many cars, how many planes are built? Uh, we, we don't have a control on that. 
So these are things we need to take as a given somehow and mitigate, of course, the risks. But at the point where we negotiate with a, a company, we cannot, uh, uh, it's impossible to close your eyes on the, 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 the global the conditions and the global market while they, are, uh, they, they have to be taken as a part. And how do we account for that so that the company will get uh, its uh, profits and the government will get with which it's a, a, a development goals. That's the key balance to find. Hmm. So I want to follow through on the notion of control. Um, you know, there's a school of thought that suggests that um, perhaps when uh, governments in Africa think of applying laws and policies and negotiating with investors, that uh, there ought to be a different mindset depending on whether governments are negotiating with, if you wish, traditional uh, European Western companies versus, say, companies from Latin America and for that matter, companies from uh, China. And I wanted uh, to get a sense from you of whether you think, because of the political, the historical political relationship between Africa and the West, uh, there should necessarily be a different approach when African governments negotiate with uh, these former, if you wish, companies from former colonial territories. Look. Um... There, there is one, there is um, a basic rule. If you want to attract investment, and uh, I mean, I'm saying nothing new here. The, you need to create a level playing field. It's never perfect, but all the investors, know how you deal with each of the companies. So it's important, at least that is clearly seen that you try to be as close as possible to that level playing field. Accounting for the three contexts I was, uh, uh, we were talking about. So based on that, the rules should be the same for all investors. As long as the investor, the, the, the investor is credible and is uh, uh, putting on the table a project that, that is mutually beneficial, saying for the company and for the country, that's uh, the, 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 the main thing that should matter. That's the hmm. main, the, the only thing that should matter, I would say. Right. But uh, some people argue that um, even if, to your point, uh, a country uh, creates a level playing field, which is to say all policies apply the same to all investors, subject to, as you rightly said, the three uh, 
contextual factors we, we spoke mm -hmm. about. But mm -hmm. some people argue that the very fact that for a very long time, uh, companies from the West, which is uh, Europe, Canada, the United States, and uh, Australia, were dominant in the development of minerals, that the arrival of China does change uh, that playing field that you're speaking about. And, and that it is exactly that context that means that African countries can now leverage this presence of a third party to increase their own bargaining position. Uh, are you saying that you don't see that as something that can uh, potentially enhance the negotiating capability of African governments? Look, the, the question is why do you, what do you bargain for? You bargain for, if you are to bargain, okay? You bargain for, uh, uh, I mean, to get a good deal for your country, right? That's correct. That's the, that, that's the main goal. So if I can get a good deal for my country with a credible investor, I don't count how many from uh, which country the, 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 the investor is coming from. What matters is what is the quality of the investor? and what is the quality of the project for Guinea. With that said, we are lucky in Guinea somehow because all the part of the world you're talking about, we have invested from all this part of the world here. <laughs> we have a very diverse set of investors in terms of uh, the origin of the investors. And why, I would say, did we get there? How did we get there? Getting a very diverse set of investors. I think it's because we, we our doors have been open for everybody. Our doors have been open for everybody. So it hasn't been a plan uh, I mean, an agenda to say, okay, we need, we want to get mainly investors from this country, not from that country, no. And all the investors from all, the investors from all around the world are present in Guinea, in the mining industry in Guinea. That's because we aim, let's say, to get to that level playing field. And uh, I don't think it's um, that it's uh, maybe um, relevant to um, try to maybe try to leverage uh, the, 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 the relationship with an investor against another one. But those, all the deals we have, we need to take responsibility for them. If you, a country has a bad deal with a company, 
it's because the country didn't do the right thing to get the good deal. We cannot blame uh, investors because we signed, if we sign bad deals, we don't, we can't blame investors for that. And we can uh, even less blame their countries, a country of origin for that. So, mm. and uh, you know, in uh, it, it's again, let's say the country, con con the context of the, of the country. In uh, after the independence, many of our countries we had the many one or only two big companies, right? So those companies they helped us even support uh, keep the states, our states alive at some point in time. So. Um, it's, it's always a bad thing to have old friends. It's not necessarily a bad thing to have new friends, but it's always a bad thing to have old friends. So mm. it's important to have that historical uh, 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 thinking, not forget, but the companies that have been, we have a company here that uh, has been operating for more than half a century. And that company at some point, um, from what I'm hearing, we were, I wasn't born then, born then, but uh, from what I'm hearing, that company was almost in charge of half of, more than half of what the state was doing in terms of investment, putting uh, institutions in place and things like that. And I, we should cherish that contribution to the building of our state. At the same time, we welcome new friends, but it shouldn't be at the expense of our old friends. That's interesting. So really what you're saying is that the burden of extracting a good deal lies with the government, period. And that given the policies, the different contexts, governments must ensure it gets a good deal. And if it doesn't, the citizens must look to the government, not to the investor. It seems to me that makes uh, uh, perfect sense. The other thing that I think makes sense is that, you know, it's not about choosing between Western, Eastern companies. It's not about choosing between the new friends or the old friends. It's just about building on the experiences of old friends while creating new friends. And that if China happens to be the new kid in the block, the idea is not that uh, we see them as, as displacing others. Because, you know, I think that is a much more healthier approach than the assumption that somebody is going to give Africa a good deal. My sense is that your view that each country must get work to get for itself a good deal is a better value proposition than the assumption that there's some sovereign state somewhere there that's, that's going to come into Africa, think uh, and act in the interest of Africa above and beyond the Africans. My sense is that in that space, you are absolutely correct. But I, I do have to also ask you because you know, 
we speak of uh, Western and European North American uh, uh, companies, but you make a valid point. There really is no such thing as a Chinese. I mean, the fact that a company happens to come from America or happens to come from Europe doesn't really make that country responsible, does it? Uh, and, and, and you as a former minister, I mean, where is the line between commerce and diplomacy when a government is conducting business with companies that may have an affiliation with a sovereign state? Look, again, it, it goes back, it comes back to, to, to the choice that our government makes. It's not about the choice other governments make because they, may, they will make the choice that is good for their people. We need to make the choice that is good for our people. We see that some countries, some states, a company do provide assistance to the companies expanding abroad. I would say even that almost all the countries do the same to different, with different uh, magnitudes. So for us, we need to have commercially sound deals commercially sound projects and implement them as effectively as possible in the interest of both parties. That is the most important. I, I, I have never been reluctant uh, accepting the meeting to, to receive an ambassador that has a commercial branch in, in his office to talk about any projects. For us, it's even maybe in some instances, it's been uh, good because if the, 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 the company wasn't, uh, 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 was behaving, uh, was misbehaving sometime, we could warn even uh, the ambassador saying that, okay, this is the actions we're gonna take against the, this company because they are not uh, applying these rules and that rule in addition to what we do uh, before the company itself. So for, for me, it's, it has never been an issue because we know, let's not um, uh, lie to ourselves. That's the way it works for all countries. If Guinea had uh, many companies abroad, many Guinean companies abroad, who, who would have been acting the same way because uh, it provides uh, jobs to our country, it provides revenues to our countries, uh, to our country and so on and so forth. So the most important thing again is for our government to take full responsibility to get good deals, to get, to have a good environment for investment, to attract investment. And thank God, and uh, I, I would insist on that, Guinea has the chance that we have a very diversified portfolio, especially in mining. So nobody is excluded. 
and almost everybody is present. Hmm. So here is uh, uh, my uh, last question then uh, to you. What would you say then uh, to those who outwardly advocate for African governments, not just in Maine, but in other areas, to look to China as a partner of choice over and above uh, other potential partners. What would be uh, your own opinion of that uh, view? Because it is in some quarters fairly prevalent. Yeah, I think uh, the the thinking. I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to pretend uh, uh, knowing everything about this. But um, what I I would humbly say is that they are not uh, uh, thinking about it the right way. As I said, having an old friend is always bad. Having good friends is not always bad. Because if you, uh, 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 you need, we need to take, we African countries, we need to build capacity. That's the first step. We need to build capacity to negotiate with the same strength with the uh, uh, multilateral companies, international companies, and build capacity to be able to create a level playing field in applying the policies and the laws. Once we've done that, I think that the outcome cannot be questioned by anybody. I, I, I don't necessarily see good partners or bad partners. I see good deals or bad deals. No matter who is the partner. That's the way I would put it. I don't see good partners or bad partners. I see good deals and bad deals. That's fantastic. Well, my good friends, it was wonderful speaking with you and, and refreshing. I, I hope uh, that I'll see you and uh, all my friends in uh, Guinea Conakry soon. And thank you very much for spending time with the Sheila Kama Extractive Podcast. It's my pleasure. Thank you, Sheila. Thank you, Sheila. Looking forward to seeing you.